The Story in Your Head, Episode 17, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Welcome to The Story in Your Head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today we're joined by special guests Joanne Rush and Deb Dindy to talk about holiday gatherings with family, traditions as well as the joys and challenges the season can bring. We share how we've handled past experiences and what we can try during upcoming gatherings. Welcome to The Story in Your Head. I'm Michelle Masago. And I'm Ron Macklin. And today we have two amazing and very special guests. They're part of the Macklin Connection family and are helping us to build the business. And that is Joanne Rush and Deb Dandy. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Hi, everybody. So today's topic in preparation for the holidays is, guess who's coming to dinner? And I'm really curious, when you say that phrase, besides the movie reference for those of you, what does it trigger for you? Joanne, let's start with you. Yeah, so usually I think of that in the context of family. And it's odd. I've even had that discussion with wonder who's going to show up this time especially if there's any kind of family drama going on or any already existing story. There's a conversation of wonder wonder who the person is that's going to show up. I also use it on a more positive of repeat family I haven't seen for a while. What's going to be different? And to try to turn it into something positive. But that's what triggers for me is just wonder wonder who will show up and create a space of, of if you don't see people all the time, they could be anywhere. Any stories for you that carry year to year on that special uncle, aunt, friend, or whatever that comes in? The one that that comes to mind was when one of my nieces, who had always been more of a contrarian and had really a very limited palate in what she would eat. So there was always drama around food and then drama around just about any social topic. And so she would, she would come up and she'd gone through various periods of time and she'd gotten married and now was going to be at a family gathering with her. And she shows up and she was planning this elaborate side dish she was bringing. She was part of the cooking and was having a conversation about the complexities of teaching a class that was English as a second language. And I could remember thinking, what happened to my niece? This is. You know, all the same personality, but but her concerns, what she was focused on, her whole story of being was so different and how fascinating that was. And I was kind of sorry I wasn't there to watch the transition, but it, it really was the person that I expected was none of that. How did you notice the change? A lot of it was mood. So the the person that would normally be sullen was actually a little more outgoing and and had different topics that they would mention, different things they were paying attention to. Didn't come in upset. Like there wasn't a story of I'm already mad at everything. And say, let's see what's going on. So very different. So when you talk about mood, whose mood? For me, it's the mood they show up in. My mood I try for, and I don't know if anybody else does this, is to be as as in a state of wonder and and truly Wonder who's going to come to dinner because anything I've done in the past to expect it never kind of works out for me. You know, people show up 
where they were at and, and they didn't check with me first. So they aren't going to go into my story. They're going to go into theirs. And it's just easier when I just am marveled at what they bring and that I can be dance with it and be, be grateful for it. Yeah, thanks. They don't check in with me either. <laughs> so. And they could and they don't. How You know, <laughs> maybe that should be part of the RSVP. Please describe the person you will be arriving as. <laughs> Ahead of time. Yeah. Great. Deb, how about you? You know, what triggered me this year is that there's someone not going to be at dinner. And so that's just kind of how I was triggered when you said, guess who's coming to dinner? My, we lost my dad this year to a, a long bout of cancer. And this will be the first holiday that we don't have him here. And so we're, we're, I don't know if you can ever be prepared for that, but we're trying to wonder like our, our family tradition. And I would say I, I've taken my parents for the last 30 years to Mexico with a whole bunch of my friends. And we've just had such a blast together. And they're just so incorporated into my, my friend family. And so it's going to be a little different this year, right? We're like trying to figure out what that's going to look like and prepare. And, and again, I don't know that. I don't know that we can be prepared for that. Yeah, so thanks. Sorry for for the loss. I'm speculating that our listeners, some of them may be in the same situation based on what was going on in the last, you know, year that somebody may not be at the table. I'm really curious. You talked about it a little bit, but any thoughts on what do you do with that? Right? Cuz they may be in the same situation. So, what have you thought about? How do you moods that you set or what practices could you put in place? You know, we've, my mom and I have been thinking about this, like how to create that for Thanksgiving, for Christmas when we're all together. And it's really about, of course, we're going to have a slideshow because you need to have a slideshow, right? And, <laughs> and just to have those happy memories, to bring those to the forefront for people to reminisce, to just remember him so fondly. And, and that's what we're going to try to create a new tradition. In, in doing that and, and in doing so, just trying to, you know, keep him with us and keep those memories alive with us. Yeah, thank you. I think back for me last year, so I lost my mom mid-December, right? December 12th, which is right before Christmas and the holidays. And so we went through sort of the same thing. And yeah, we definitely think about her every day and, and Christmas time and, and celebrate. And what I recognized was while celebrating her passing and keeping her in in our memories, we did that for everybody because we found out there was a whole lot of people <laughs> that that happens to. And it made it a pretty joyous time of celebration for us of sort of remembering everybody that had contributed to the family and setting our mood of one of celebration and not, there could be several others that you could potentially choose, which would not be nearly as much fun. Yeah. And I think too about what dad would want, right? Like we, our family does fun and crazy traditions. Like my tradition is change. <laughs> so I never like to have the same tradition. That is my tradition. And so we have funny, you know, gingerbread building contests that, you know, turn out crazy and just all kinds of crazy things that we do. And I think, you know, my dad always enjoyed that and he would love that we continue doing those crazy fun things together. So that's part of it too. Like being together in a way that celebrates 
who he was and his life, but celebrating each other too. Like we're excited to see each other. And we didn't get a chance to see each other for the last, you know, couple years. So even more excited this year. Excellent. Thank you so much. You're right. Hopefully this year people will be able to gather a little bit more than they have in the past two. Ron, how about you? What does that trigger for you? First, it takes me back to like as a as a young kid and we go to the big family gatherings. I and I don't know where I made up stories about all those people, but I did. And I didn't have to guess who was coming to dinner. I knew who was coming to dinner. Because I had the story from the last few times that I made up that I go, here they are. And that's how I saw them in that space. Whether it was my great aunt Dale's Christmas gathering where we had the farm folk and we had the city folk and never did they mix. Right. And I was a city folk, even though I spent all my summers on the farm, I was not a farmer according to them. And that's also how I made myself up to be in that world. So when I look back at that and I realized all the stories I created about them and saw them through those stories, when you say the story of guess who's coming to dinner, almost feels like I'm not being responsible for creating who they are. Like I'm going to guess, well, maybe they'll come in as a nice person or they'll be self-centered or I don't know, we'll just, right? Versus creating that. And I'm working it. Like this is not a skill I've got mastered in any way to create all that space. I'm getting better at it. I've been to some recent reunions with planning reunions, a kind of weird word, just family gatherings that we've made substantial shifts, right? Like the, instead of everybody doing that whole, you know, watching their watch and going, okay, so we only got about 45 minutes left and then we can all leave now, right? This is, we've been here long enough, right? We can say we punched the clock, right? Grandpa and grandma, they're, they're all happy. Okay, good. We're out of here, right? To where four and a half hours later, somebody said, oh my God, it's 1130. We got, we got, we got to go. We, we, like we got things to do tomorrow and they're out the door. But until that moment, nobody ever checked their watch. And that comes from not everybody in the room was creating like aware and creating this stuff, probably around 45%. That was enough to shift the space of possibilities for who was showing up. Now the ones who didn't do it, like haven't been working that they didn't know anything was different except for, oh, that was kind of a fun evening. Like we played games and we talked and we did things in that space. Like it's a world there. So guess who's coming to dinner? I think I'm going to work it this year. That's who am I creating people to be when they come to dinner? And I, I don't know what the mechanics are yet. I'm trying to figure that out. If they are. Can one person come in with that and change a group of 20 people? Does it need two? Does it need three? Does it need four? At what level? And I, like, I'm also like noticing, and then that person does that one thing that just, oh my gosh, ticks me off. And I just notice myself going, here it goes, right? And it takes me too much time to recover. And I'm working on how do I shorten that to a short amount of time. So I don't know where I'm not just saying, guess who comes to dinner, but who am I creating them to come to dinner? Yeah. So the, the invitation list, what I hear includes yourself. Oh, that's good. Oh, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> All right, yay. All right. <laughs> there was an imaginal moment there, right? For me, I'm going like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, to invite myself. To create myself and invite myself into. That's good. Thank you. 
Yeah. So, so I'm curious, when we just had these previous family gatherings, what did you do different that could help shift that mood, right? Be that X percent that takes people from watching their watches to engaging in the moment. So these are speculations. I, I can share what, what we did and then I can share like what I think may have happened. There was several groups that actually went through our program. Like there was my sister and her, her husband and one of her nieces and my kids, well, two of the three kids. And they've, they've gone through our program, right? And so we actually sat down and said, who are we creating ourselves to be on the way over, right? And, and to create that space and to be responsible for ourselves to do that. But there were still like majority of the people were not in that. Like my, my parents weren't and other of my sister's families weren't. But yet it, it was enough to shift it completely in the room. So I don't know, is it one, is it two? But what, what we noticed was we didn't notice anything. Like, like the evening just kind of drifted by and everybody was like, oh, let's, let's, let's play Tenzi or let's play this or let's play a puzzle. Let's do that. And, and next thing we know, it's literally it's last, past 11 o'clock at night. It was a great, it was, and now it seems like that's kind of our normal in that space. So I don't know that did we create a new normal for ourselves in, a, in the world to do that. And then can I, can I do that? We, can we do that? Or can it be done in any gathering when you're, bringing people together and then how much does it, how many people have to be in that space? Can one person make a difference? Mm, thank you, Ron. Be interested to see what you observe for this year. Maybe some learnings for next. Yeah. Last year's there wasn't a lot of gatherings because of COVID, right? And this year there'll be more gatherings. We think. Yeah. We, we have a practice on Thanksgiving, which falls a little bit into the guests because we have a pretty small family that's still around. So what we do is find people that also have small families or singles that don't have a place to go. And we invite them. And sometimes they bring somebody, sometimes they don't, sometimes they bring two people. So we know one extra person that's coming in, but we're not done with our invitations because we just kind of walk around. And if we hear somebody doesn't have somebody coming, we just say, come over to our house. So it becomes quite a, a mishmash of people that some we may not know at all It'd be the first time we met, which is kind of cool, right? Around a Thanksgiving table. It also though sometimes brings some anxiety because you don't know them, right? Because what's going to come up? <laughs> what are they going to say? And it's kind of weird, but the things that go to me sometimes like politics, we usually leave off the table, but there can be extremely diverse opinions in that that could cause all sorts of potential conflicts at the table. And it's like, why am I worried about all that? Let's just dance with it, enjoy, set the framework, and set the mood to be fun. I mean, that's the purpose we're all together, right? To not be alone, to belong to something, and sit around the table and figure it out. We haven't run out of food yet. We've come close, but somehow it always magically appears, right? Somebody will find something, or it'll be non-traditional. Oh, well, we've got spaghetti and sauce. So that'll be the ad, right? It doesn't matter. You go to the cupboard, and part of the fun is is inventing if you have too many people, what needs to go with there. So I really appreciate everybody's thoughts because it's helping me, like what mood do you create, right? How do you create everybody and just being open and curious and whatever they bring with them is enough. And that's, so I'm going to try that. So thank you all for that as we continue to work through our list of people that will show up at the table for Thanksgiving. Quick question I have, what experiments will you run when you go to a gathering? I'll speculate. We don't know what will work, but we can run some experiments. 
what experiments would you run with your gatherings this year to open up a new space, to create something new? So I'll start because I thank you, Ron, for the question because you're making me think, right? So I'm still working this, right? Get Guess what? You all get to work it out loud with me and appreciate any thoughts. If you all have at the end of this, you can even send it. So the experiment is in everybody that walks through the door is enough, right? To create them as enough and whole and whatever they bring in and what I don't mean gifts, right? I don't mean, oh, did they bring the good wine or did they, is this regifted wine, right? None of that. Whatever they bring as themselves is enough. And just almost leave it there. And what does that do to create the mood and to set the tone of the meeting? So I think that's the one I'm going to run. Because especially since we may have some strangers that are going to pop into ours, they're enough. I love that experiment. Yeah, Michelle, you triggered me to think about like expectations. Like what kind of expectations do we have for these gatherings? Is it going to be perfect, right? Like the table will be set perfectly or is it going to be messy? And messy in a good way, like messy because people are just being people and being perfect and enough. And it's like, how do I, in my mind, create that in advance that I don't have these expectations of one way or another, that it's just going to be absolutely perfect, whatever way it's going to be. And you kind of, you triggered me to think about that. It's like, yeah, people are going to come and they're going to be enough and they're going to be perfect. And it's going to, it's going to lead to a wonderful celebration. However, it's going to be, I can't predict it, which is great too, but it's going to be great. Thanks, Deb. For me, one of the experiments is I noticed accidentally we had planned last year to have everybody from, we usually were going to my sister-in-law's house and because our kids weren't coming home anymore. And yes, last year I wasn't going to be able to travel. So he said, well, why don't you guys all come here? And I was looking to plan a menu. And I learned that with Thanksgiving in particular, at least for most people I talk to, there is something that makes it Thanksgiving. Like if your event doesn't have that thing, it's not the real, like you didn't have the Brussels sprouts or you didn't have, it, it's usually food related. So I was looking at, well, what, what makes it Thanksgiving would be a great question to share is what is, what is, you know, what is that memory of Thanksgiving that you carry? And then run an experiment of what did you learn and, and what would you do for, what would you think about creating for next year's Thanksgiving? So kind of to do a combination of looking back and looking forward, I found with family that opens up a space to check in actually on where people are at in the moment. And it's not anything that I found that I actually knew before. Like who, who knew? I learned my daughters cared a lot about a certain dish when I accidentally changed it. And they reported to me that it was not Thanksgiving because we didn't have this dish that I didn't notice that I always produced. So I didn't even know I had a tradition and I did. So it's uh, the what makes a tradition and why it's important and, and what it meant just opened up some really personal stories. So that's a space, I think, given the year we've had of, of what did you like? It's sort of the what did you miss? because most people didn't have it last year. And then what'd you learn over the last year? Because we all learned something different about ourselves. 
Mm, I really like that, Joanne. What did you learn in particular? What did you learn about yourself? Mm -hmm. Right. That's excellent. Thank you. Great experiment. Love it. So the experiment I'm going to run this year is to try on. Like to go in with the mood of whatever it is that, that people are in and doing to try it on. That to be curious, to understand where they're up against, try to find out what's happening and then try it on. Like, what would that be like to be in that space? I hold it to a place of building my skill at empathy, uh, to understand and to be with them, uh, to not judge, practice that space, to be responsible for letting them be who they are, but understanding who they are. So I'm going to try that on in the different conversations I'm with is to say, what would it be like if I was being them? Try on their, their thinking, their, their breakdowns, their successes, their, all of that space. See what I, what shows up. And I don't know what'll show up. I'm really curious to see what, what, what it does. And then part of the experiment is also, this is what I did this time. What happens the next time we get together? Does this shift their story of who I am? So that's my experiment. You know, you, you triggered me to think about another experiment about like allowing others to contribute. And it can be a really easy thing to do to just say, no, stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I'm cooking or, you know, we've got to get this done like in a, in a, in a mood of like that there's a time limit or something. Right. And one of the things I'm thinking about is, how do I allow for contributions from others that want to contribute, that want to be getting the mess of the kitchen? And, and I, I speculate it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> like it'd be a lot of fun. And by the way, dinner may not be on the table in time. Like there is such a thing, but we might have a whole lot of fun in the preparation of it, not just in, in eating the meal together. So I'm going to try that on and see how that works. Yeah, thanks, Deb. What you made me think of is the the perfectness. Not that ours ever was, right? We're an incredibly casual family, but you just never know when you have so many people. I mean, we're the type of person, oh, you need a napkin, here's a paper towel roll, right? Take off as many as you need. <laughs> it's, it's kind of paper napkins. You know, my grandmother was the cloth napkin person. And I guess through the generations that has fallen by the wayside, that particular transition. And we're down to paper towels as a practical nature, <laughs> <laughs> you know? But even that, like, does it all have to come out at the same time? What if something, you mess up a timing on something, right? And the Brussels sprouts are at the end. What happens? And how do people adjust? Yeah. Thanks, Michelle. What, Deb, what you triggered for me was, imagine 100 years ago, most of the gathering was the preparation of the food. And, and like, I'm 57, so that was a little bit of that when I was a small child. But in general now, it's like, well, the food's always prepared and, and everybody shows up and we just, you just eat. And what, what if we go back to, no, we, we, we get together and then prepare. And the, the, the gathering is the preparation. I, I share a, a very fond memory of my grandmother. We were learning how to make tamales. We were in Mexico, go figure. We were learning to make tamales and I think there was more laughter and joy coming from that kitchen. The tamales were horrible. <laughs> they, they ended up being so horrible. But we had more fun sitting around that island in the kitchen, 
trying as hard as we could to make tamales and it didn't matter. Like uh, anything else didn't matter. We ate them. It's fine. But the, the joy was really in that preparation time. I'm curious, Deb, did everybody participate or was it a set of people? Well, to be honest, it was it was the girls, <laughs> like, and which is not uncommon in my family because there's a lot of girls. <laughs> so it it was uh, all of us women, and and you could the 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 men were kind of outside doing their own thing, right? But they were having their own preparation, right? It just didn't include the food, <laughs> but we were having our they called it cackle fest in. You know, but that's that's how it usually rolls in my family, just because the we have a lot of girls in our family. <laughs> it sounds like fun and a great practice. Absolutely. It does. So we're just about at our time. Maybe one last thing. What showed up new for you in the conversation today? Joanne, you open the starting? Sure. So I reflect on the difference between an accidental encounter and, and one that's a little more purposeful and intentional. When I come in with the stories of, well, you know, so-and-so is going to be like this, then, the, you know, you could almost do the script. It's going to be one of those where you have a recurring story, but you didn't actually craft it. It's just what whatever had been there before. And the difference can be, but what do I intend to produce? So to be a little bit more intentional about the notion of gathering and community and family and sharing and hold that. And I think that's where, to me, uh, the reflection of giving people space to be who they show up as and to be open to be with them, not to be managing the food or managing the you know, everything else that goes on, you're really there most to be with them and whatever else happens will will turn out somehow. It's just a space that I've been experimenting with and I think it's a it's one that maybe it's a good time to be intentional about the holidays. Since we all could remember what it was like to have them abruptly changed when we couldn't control it, got a chance to reinvent them. And the power of that and conversations or thinking like this even if it's just, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to bring a different me to the event. It's going to make it different. Right. Yeah. Thanks, Joanne. That's a, that's a lovely thought. Deb, how about you? What, what came out for me today is just how, how do I create myself for these celebrations? Like, how do I create myself and how do I create others in a dignified way that we all come together and can have a great time. Like you said, not worry about the politics or the other things that are going to happen is just really be purposeful about that creation. And I haven't done that before. I I would say, you know, lucky to be in a very loving and blessed family, but I haven't done, done it in a way that I've been purposeful about creating myself and others. So that's really what came out different for me today. Thank you. And Ron, what I created new today was the responsibility of, you know, that that single event that could change the direction of a relationship over the long term. Having one event, one time that things went well, opens up a new space to go in a different direction. And sometimes, like I can be in a space of, oh my gosh, it's just too hard because I don't want to do that. 
I mean, I, I just soon just re- just just go relax and not do anything and just blah. But that's only holding that I'm only dealing with the moment that I'm in right now. But it, everything now opens a different space in the future, or it doesn't. And to be in that space of what could I produce for a new opening changes the direction of a relationship or several relationships. That's what occurred for me in the call today. How about you, Michelle? Yeah, thank you, Ron. It makes me think like it's strategic, you know, because <laughs> it could be more than one move, right? Yeah. It's something that sets up for the future. I never really thought about family gathering and how we participate in it to actually have a strategy to it. It might be kind of heady, but yeah, it, it's what occurs to me. So for me, it was the the experiment, right? What am I going to do from an experiment point of view? And I don't mean, again, you know, like I'm not going to write this out with a hypothesis and all that. Like, no, <laughs> it's really just creating and being open that new moon. Like I said, I am enough as is everybody and see what that produces and just leave it there and see what, what space that opens up. And if I hold that mood to add to what you did, what will that change for others? And will there be a lasting effect, right, beyond just that one meal or that one gathering? So that's what I, and I, and I want to thank everybody for all those ideas and hopefully our listeners, right, there's some gems out of there that will help you as we approach the holidays and gatherings in a time that we didn't do this before. And Joanne, I want to thank you very much too. Right? We haven't done this for a year, two years. So you get a little bit of a do-over. Take advantage of it, right? <laughs> What do you do? Maybe we redefine the notion of a come as you are party. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And I want to say a special thanks to Deb and Joanne for joining us on the podcast today. Your insights were exceptionally powerful. And thank you for being a part of our team. And thank you for being you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for the space. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you all for listening today. Please take a moment to subscribe to the story in your head on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thank you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye.